Well, here we are. Um, I uh, want to encourage you, uh, in your bulletin, you'll find a um, message from the search committee and then also um, uh, a little bio there by way of introduction. Um, Many of you know me, you know our family, um, but some of you may not, and um, I'd encourage you to read through that. It will help give some background and some of the ministry experience that we've had as a couple. Um, but I want, to be, I want to be really clear that um, I don't stand here today because of a list of qualifications. Um, I, I am here because I can't escape or deny what God has done uh, in this process. There are three things that I want to share with you this morning. The first is a bit of a testimony of what has brought me to this point. And the second is, uh, is a call to our congregation. And the third thing is three questions uh, that I'm pondering as I uh, look ahead to this transition. I remember in high school memorizing... Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, which says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And never have I found it more true than in the last few months. And so I want to share with you this morning about how the Lord has determined my steps. Last summer it was suggested by someone in our congregation that I might make a good fit for the newly open youth pastor position. And I have to be honest, my initial reaction to this was one of resistance. In fact, I remember looking at Cherry with a sharp sort of look, saying, if God wants me to do this, he's going to have to make it really clear. And I think God's response in that moment was, okay, game on. Um, months passed, and in one conversation in mid-November, Cherry asked why I had been closed to the idea of even considering the youth pastor position. Why the resistance? And this led to a conversation where we talked about some of my own fears, fears of failure, um, and some also old wounds from previous ministry positions. Um, but I said I was willing to listen. And so we prayed together in that moment. And that same week, uh, we had the intergenerational luncheon back in November. And this was before the the day of fasting and prayer. And during that time, I was approached twice. Um, And Cherry, once, um, with people saying, I think this is something that, that you should consider. Um, and in one of these instances, it was related to me that a younger member of our congregation, on hearing the announcement in the church about the youth pastor position, had leaned over to their grandparent in the pew and said, I think Karis's dad would be good at that job. <laughs> and I remember riding home with, with Cherry after that lunch, and, uh, and we both kind of hesitantly looked at each other almost like we were 
confessing what had happened. And so we prayed again. And we said, okay, Lord, uh, you've got my attention. Um, But I haven't heard from anyone from my own generation. I felt a little bit like Moses, you know, at the burning bush. And uh, that that next week, uh, two individuals who who knew that this was uh, something that we were considering um, approached us unprompted and said, if this is something, if this is a direction that, that you move in, I want you to know that, that we're behind you, two of our, our peers. And this led to a few weeks where we sought wise counsel from individuals both inside and outside uh, the church community. And I remember talking to my brother at that time, and his words were very simple. He said, if this is something God has for you, he will make it clear. And in early January, as an act of obedience in this process, I decided to apply and and met with the search committee for the first time. And I think in that time, um, I was still confronted with my own fear of failure and sense of call. And I remember talking with Dave after that meeting, and and he said the sense that we got was just that we need we need to really come together in prayer um, and continue to pray as a as a congregation. On well, late January, we had a second day of fasting and prayer, and on that day, I read Psalm one forty five, which is was somewhat out of the blue. Um, And as I came to Psalm 145, verse 4, which says, One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I started weeping over this verse. which is not my usual way of interacting with scripture. (laughs) Um, But what I heard in this passage, uh, I think, was an answer to the call that the youth presented on their um, takeover Sunday at the end of December, and also a word to me and a word to our congregation. Um, And so I want to take a look at this psalm together And as an extension of that, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 today. Thank you to whoever put the the tissues up here. I appreciate it. (laughs) Um, Just a little bit of background. This psalm, Psalm 145, is a uh, a psalm of praise. And and on a very basic level, uh, the book of Psalms is a songbook of the people of God filled with both lament and praise. And as we approach the end of the book of Psalms, we seem to to break away from the lament, and we have this swell of praise at the end, even ending with what's called the Hallelujah Psalms, with Psalms 146 through 150. But Psalm 145 kind of caps off book five of the Psalms, and uh, it is a psalm of praise. So I want us to, to read that together. Um, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, so it might be a little bit different 
um, from what you've got in your pew. But Psalm 145, beginning in verse 1. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known the children, to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Father, we ask that you would be with us as we dive into your scripture today. Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts and our minds uh, to what is there before us. What I haven't told you about Psalm 145 is that it's actually an acrostic poem. We can't see this in our English translations, but each line begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And this was used as a way of remembering a mnemonic device um, to remember a psalm or a poem. But I think it's also a way of saying the whole of a subject is covered. Much like we might say from A to Z. Um, And the subject here is praise. We see this in the first lines. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Or as the message paraphrases it, I will bless you every day and keep it up from now into eternity. From A to Z. Our God deserves praise from beginning to end and from one generation to the next. The subject is focused further in in verse 4 and following. We see that this psalm is written specifically in praise of the mighty acts of God. In fact, there's two words, uh, two of the words used in Hebrew for for works uh, and mighty acts occur more here than in any other psalm in the Old Testament. So verse 4 This particular verse, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts, this verse pushed me to my knees. And I think much about this experience is still a bit inexplicable to me, uh, a mystery. Um, But I think I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And... I remember reading Psalm 145 on the morning of that day of fasting and prayer. And then I remember uh, journaling through it in prayer. And then I decided to read it again 
and I went to write down verse 4, and I could only get as far as the first word before I, I broke down. And I think God met me profoundly in this and stirred up a sense of his nearness and power in a very real way. And it caused me to reflect on the ways that I have been poured into by the generations before me, but also how I might be used to pour into the hearts of those who come after me. So from generation to generation, we are called to declare the mighty acts of God. And two questions emerge here. What are his mighty acts? And what happens when we declare them? Well, what are the mighty acts? The more I looked into Psalm 145, the more I saw it as as David's reflections on Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's, it's essentially Deuteronomy chapter 6 in, in poem form. Deuteronomy 6 is a, is a very important and, and familiar place in the Old Testament. It occurs right after the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5. Uh, but it's also where Jesus quoted from when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words shall be on your heart, and you shall impress them on your children from one generation to the next. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse verse 20, um, this idea of, of passing the message on continues. It says, when your son asks you in due time, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Does this question sound familiar? I think it's essentially the same question that many of the youth asked a few weeks ago. Is God's way the best way? Is God's way good? We have a generation asking, why is God's way the best way? I went back and I I listened again to that service at the end of December. And what I heard was the youth saying, difficult questions should not be feared or ignored. Questions of science and faith or cultural issues, or questions like, where have you failed? Or where are you struggling? Because I find myself struggling too. Or I want to ask hard questions without fear or condemnation. And I need the example of other generations in the church. How do I interact with the culture around me, this changing culture? that I find myself in. And even a plea, it was asked. The younger generation is seeking wisdom from the older generation. Why is God's way good? Why is God's way the best way? Can you show me? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, as we read in 
the call to worship this morning. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. In the history of Israel, God bringing his people out of Egypt is looked back on as the mighty act of God. So that event foreshadowed for all eternity God's act of deliverance for his people in Jesus Christ. This time not from bondage to Pharaoh, but from bondage to the dominion of darkness. So why is God's way good? Because we were slaves to sin, but now are slaves to righteousness through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the mighty act of God. This is the good news. This is what we are called to declare from one generation to the next. I love those passages in Scripture that, where we find the word but. And we have a couple of those. One in, in Ephesians chapter 2, but God. This is the interjection. This is when God comes in. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Or Romans chapter 6, but thanks be to God, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin, you have become slaves to righteousness. So as we ponder the mighty act of God in our own hearts and in our church, Where are we as a church and as individuals being released from bondage even right now? Where are we continuing to be transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit and becoming a slave to his righteousness? God is in the business of transforming hearts, of entering in, of interrupting. This is the mighty act of God. I think that each one of us has a way that we can explain that to the next generation, a way that we can declare that. So we've discussed what are the the mighty acts of God and now what happens when we declare them. And I think put very simply, if we look at Psalm 145, what happens when we declare them? God's kingdom spreads. Did you notice the shift In Psalm 145, there's a movement from I to all. Verse 1 says, I will extol you. Verse 2, I will bless you. Verse 5, I will meditate. Verse 6, I will declare. Verse 10, all your saints shall bless you. Verse 15, the eyes of all look to you. Verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him. 
verse 20, the Lord preserves all who love him. And even the end of the the psalm ends with, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. I love this picture of of David writing this psalm and we, we, we see that he is meditating on God's mighty acts, on his mighty works. And his meditation leads to praise and his praise leads to proclamation. Isn't that a picture for us? That when we meditate, when we remember what God has done in our lives and in our hearts, that leads us to praise and that leads us to proclamation. And when, one de- one, and when we declare his works to the next generation, his kingdom spreads. Even verse 4 to verse 13, we have this, this funny little sandwich in Psalm 145. Verse 4 says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And verse 13 says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. We see this this spread from one generation to all generations. It reminds me of the parable of the mustard seed or um, in, in the New Testament when Jesus is talking and he says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. And though it's the smallest of all seeds, it grows into the largest of garden plants and becomes a mighty tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. That's a picture of the kingdom of God. The expansion, the growth of the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of which we are a part. And this kingdom grows when one generation declares the mighty acts of God to the next right in the middle of this funny little sandwich, as we called it, of generations in verse 4 and verse 13, we find these words, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all he has made. We who have seen the mighty act of God in our own hearts, in our church, and in God's kingdom can testify that we serve a gracious and merciful God. And so, just like we see in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we are urged to talk about the commands and the way of the Lord. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, And when you rise, talk about how the Lord has been gracious and merciful to you, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Talk about him at the dinner table. Talk about him to that child next to you in the fellowship hall. Sometimes it's just as simple as asking, what has God been teaching you? Or how have you seen the Lord at work in your life lately? So, we've heard some of my journey in coming to this place, and we've looked at Psalm 145, 
declaring the mighty acts of God from one generation to the next. I want to end with sharing with you just a few questions that I'm thinking about um, as I look forward to this new role, obviously pending a vote next week. Um, The first question is, how can we continue to faithfully shepherd our children and youth into lifelong followers of Jesus? As we saw in Psalm 145, this call to declare the mighty acts of God to the next generation is a call to make disciples. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, we have this wonderful passage called the Great Commission, calling us to go, therefore, and make disciples. But the Great Commission isn't just for outside these four walls. The Great Commission is for that person sitting next to you in the pew. And disciple-making isn't just one and done, but a lifelong process. Dave and a few others have been busy revamping the youth pastor job description, and the mission that stands atop that job description is shepherding future generations into lifelong followers of Jesus. This takes the whole community. This takes the whole generations, all of our generations. Is there someone you've noticed? Is there someone you've connected with in brief conversation? doesn't have to be a youth. Or to the youth, is there someone that you look up to or want to learn from? Seek them out. This could be even a sixth grader to a second grader um, or an older mother to a younger mother. We all, we all need that. So how can we continue to faithfully shepherd our children and youth into lifelong followers of Jesus? Question two, what should we consider as we endeavor to teach the whole counsel of God to our children and youth? I've been reading through the book of Acts, and near the end of Acts, Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem, and he stops by Ephesus one last time, and he meets with the elders there, and you get this, this beautiful picture of Paul meeting with them. The ship is waiting in the background, and they, they're, they're weeping because they know that this is probably the last time that they will see Paul. And Paul says to them, as he says farewell, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. We want to be able to say the same thing as Paul to our seniors as they prepare to go out from this place to college or into the workforce that we did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So what should we consider as we endeavor to teach the whole counsel of God to our children and youth? And question three, how can we increasingly sow seeds of prayer into the soil of our youth and their, family, and their families in faith that we will see fruit? As evidenced in this process that I've been through over the last few months, God hears our prayers. 
I know of at least one individual in our congregation who sent me a note after the day of fasting and prayer and after it was announced um, that I was uh, a candidate for this position. They said they were led specifically to pray for me on that day. And they said they didn't know why. (laughs) Isn't the mystery of God a wonderful thing? God hears our prayers. And even in Psalm 145, we see that the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. A final plea. One of Henry's favorite things to do is to tell us what he wants for his birthday, which is six months away. And then he says, would you keep it in mind? <laughs> he's, he's learned that phrase. Well, I'm asking you, would you keep it in mind to pray for me and to pray for our family? We are, um, we are aware that we may experience spiritual opposition because our battle is not against flesh and blood. And would you pray too that I might continue to seek and see the Lord's provision in this new role? Why don't I I pray for us today? Father, I pray that you would continue to give us eyes to see the ways that you are working each one of our lives and the lives of those around us. Lord, may we talk about you when we sit in our house and when we walk by the way and when we lie down and when we rise. Lord, may we meditate on your mighty acts, the mighty acts that you are doing in each one of our lives. And may we Turn that into praise and proclamation. And Father, may we know that you are the faithful God who keeps his covenant of steadfast love to a thousand generations. May the praise for your mighty acts be ever on our lips. Amen.